Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special version of the stories that brought you here. I'm your host, Chris Wakaluk, and if you are a regular listener to this, welcome. I haven't been doing any podcasts lately, and I think you might know the reason for that. And that is, of course, the special circumstances that we are existing in for the last few months. So the reason I haven't done any podcasts is never mind the social distancing, but the idea of asking somebody to reflect on their lives when in March and April, the uncertainty of what was going to happen the next day or the next week was very high. It just didn't seem appropriate to ask people to do a podcast at that time. As those months unfolded and the strangeness was pretty deep, I spent a lot of time talking on the phone to people. I uh, called up people just in search of connection. Doing the podcast has actually been a really meaningful portion of my life for the last couple of years. And I really missed having the opportunity to have those conversations with people. So being stuck at home after being laid off work, I made a lot of phone calls and I was reaching out to people from all different parts of my life, from the present and the past. Sometimes I was making five calls a day, talked to my mom a lot during that time as well too on the phone. And it was so nice to connect and share with people and get to hear what people's experiences were and then get to share what my experiences were. And without exception, every phone call I had during that time just left me feeling better. And there was always some amazing nugget that I was left with from the person I spoke to that everybody had a different feeling or opinion or view on what the situation was. And I found that to be really encouraging. And whether or not I agreed fully with what the person was saying, I was so thankful to hear some different perspectives and to get to share with people. So as we've entered into June and things have relaxed a little bit with getting together with people, I started to process what I wanted to do in order to get back into podcasts and audio recordings. And I feel like I'm a bit of a different person from who I was before this started. And this new person that I've transitioned into feels very adamantly about doing things that I think are important. Something that I think is important right now is for us to hear voices of people on Pender, the island that we live on, and get to hear what people's experiences have been and are during these times that we're existing in. So I came up with the idea of doing a compilation podcast where I would interview people and extract myself out of the final edit and just have it in the interviewee's voice. And the interviewees would be answering four questions. The first question is, where have you been putting your love? So during this time, where have people been putting their energy and their loving energy towards? And what are the positive outcomes that have come from this situation through people's actions? The second question is, what are the significant challenges that you've had to face during this time? I think there are so many different issues and challenges that people have had to face. And I'm really interested in hearing what those are and having people express that and sharing that as a community and understanding what people have been going through as families, as individuals, and 
what the similarities and differences are within that. The third question is, what is your dream for the future? And the reason for this is because I've been quite optimistic through this period. And I have a lot of things that I'm dreaming of that I'd like to see happen. And I think focusing on the things that we would like to see happen and using our energy moving towards those directions is really powerful. And I would really like to get to hear as to what people's dream is of the reality that they want to exist in going forward. The fourth and final question is basically an open question for the interviewee to come up with on their own and ask of themselves. So this question I think is really important because we are all creative beings. We all have the capacity to ask some very amazing questions and there's nothing really like a great question. So I wanted to put it in people's court to come up with something unique to them that's meaningful to them to share and to challenge themselves with. So that's an explanation as to what you're going to hear. I went looking for people on Facebook initially. I put a post out on the stories that brought you here homepage and heard back from one person after writing a lengthy post explaining what I'd want to do. And then I reached out to a few more people. And luckily I had a few people in my life who wanted to open up and share. And what I asked of these individuals is that they dig a little deep and truly try to express themselves to share something meaningful in this. And they did. <laughs> it's pretty great. So you're going to get to hear the voices of Emma Kale, Matthew DeRoche, Nikki Roberts, and Paul Witterschoven coming up here. All these interviews were conducted outdoors at various locations. So you're going to get to hear the background noise of airplanes, cars, ocean waves, wind chimes, dogs. <laughs> and I think there's a few other things in there as well, too. Oh, yeah, a generator at one point because the power went out when I was recording. So all that good stuff is going to be in the background, which I actually really, really enjoy hearing. Oh, yeah, right. Birds. A lot of bird activity in the background. So I really hope you enjoy what you get to listen to here. Thank you for listening to this rather lengthy intro. And we'll see you guys on the other side of this, what I'm titling our Unique Times, Volume 1. My name is Emma Kale. I've been putting I've been putting my love in different places than pre-COVID. So essentially in my personal space, I've been, you know, spending a lot more time with uh, with my partner. Not spending as much time, obviously, physically with people, but spending a lot more time virtually with people. And interestingly, the word the word love is not usually applied to business, right? Like usually business is about business. You know, there's no love involved, no love lost, like expressions like that, right? And I've actually been working on developing a really strong business community, which is like from all over because I, I joined a kind of like a professional association and the members are spread out all over the world. So I've been spending a lot of time basically like talking to people that I don't know and having like really great, open, friendly, meaningful conversations that like move all over the place. They're sort of grounded in business, but they're they're moving all over the place. And 
I thought to myself the other day, I just had one yesterday. And I thought, you know, I'm actually like developing affection for this experience and affection for these people, right? And and it's a different experience that I think brought everyone virtually together and also gave everybody an appreciation of, you know, how blessed we are to have the ability to speak to anyone we want to anywhere in the world at any time, you know? That's really brought that home for me and I've really enjoyed that part. I have not enjoyed COVID at all. I've not enjoyed the experience of all of, you know, all the the tragedy that people losing their lives and everything like that. But in terms of like what it's actually done for me and like how many people have come into my life as a result, I've really been blessed. This is, I guess, the, the point I'm trying to make is that I think I'm way more community focused as a result, right? I wouldn't have called myself particularly community focused. I tend to be, you know... I'm focused on like my personal space, taking care of my people in my my immediate vicinity and then taking care of the business responsibilities that I have that I'm accountable for. Obviously, I, like I expand as I expand, but I mean, I, I think I just made a concerted effort that I probably wouldn't have done if I hadn't been so limited, right? Like COVID really like brought us all into a very tight space, you know, uh, like we can't go here, we can't go there, we can't go there. So how do we adapt and how do we kind of spread that caring, spread that love when we can't actually physically do it or see each other or be with each other? All the events that got canceled, for example, right? Typically, I mean, pre-COVID, I would have probably just gone to an event like in Seattle or California or Toronto or somewhere, right? Probably just would have gone to a big community event, met everybody, made some friends, come back home. Kept in contact with a few, but probably nowhere near as many as, as, as I brought on board since March. And I always used to think that that wasn't possible, right? I really used to believe that you had to have the face-to-face in order to make a connection with another human being. But I have proved myself totally, totally wrong. Totally wrong. I have been challenged a lot with the protocols. I've been challenged a lot with social distancing, especially. I've really missed hugging people, like profoundly missed it, almost to the point where I said, I said to Al, I was like, I really miss hugs, <laughs> right? Like I really miss hugs. And that's been a challenge for me because Pender Island is, is a small community. I mean, I have a lot of friends here. Usually every time we get together, we like bear hug each other. Right. And I didn't get a hug from anybody for almost four months. And I I really felt starved. Like, (laughs) and that was a major challenge for me. And I also, it was really challenging for me just to not go over to people's house anymore and not have people over here. You know, we weren't, we weren't able to go to the disc park. I didn't go disc golfing for three months. Um, Like these sound like first world problems as they're coming out of my mouth, but you know what I mean? But it's, it's interesting when you're suddenly bereft of human contact it made me made me understand like how important that is to me and I I profoundly missed it yeah because humans I mean I'm a human and I need other humans and this experience this whole experience with COVID has made that so apparent to me is this is one thing this whole planet all the people everybody who's here it's one you know Everything's connected. Everybody's connected. And I don't mean that in the, 
new agey sense. Like it's it's literal, you know. <laughs> Everything's connected. Everything is connected. Yeah. I think I think my dream, and I'm actually seeing it on social media. I'm seeing parts of it coming together. I don't know if it's going to manifest fully. There's a lot of barriers to having it manifest fully, but I think my dream is, you know, we are all more similar than different. And that this experience has has shown us that is that uh, there's no gender, there's no race, there's no age. All that is superfluous crap, right? Everybody has a kind of core oneness. And I mean, we've seen coming out of COVID, we've seen like, you know, major, major stuff going on in the in the US, like, you know, they're understanding, I think a lot of people are coming to terms with the fact that, you know, they're their system is rigged, always has been rigged. They, they need to really look at how they treat uh, people who are not white. And it could very much go back to the way it is. Once all the protocols are lifted and things kind of continue forward, it could all go back to the way it is. But I mean, I think the fact that people are waking up to that is really promising as far as I'm concerned. Because all of these things that people are believe are there that are real are not. It's the social world telling us that there's these differences and the differences are there for usually economic reasons. As far as I'm concerned, it's all made up. I think it starts with like people understanding, again, that they have way more in common than they could ever imagine. You know, say if we look at people like looking at the difference between physical differences between people. You're old or uh, you're black or you're female or whatever. What are we actually talking about? We're talking about probably like, you know, five or six or maybe 10 real fundamental differences, right? I don't know, like pigmentation, for example, or like internal plumbing, right? Sex organs, differences, Adam's apple, no Adam's apple. <laughs> you know, like small little physical differences that people like, blow into these massive old and okay then this makes everything different it's like well what about all the things we have in common like hearts lungs bones dreams visions love right all these things that so many people have in common it's like well let's focus on what we have in common how about that for a change because i mean i think for me under understanding underscores everything right fundamentally what is your understanding going forward in the world right what do you understand about yourself what do you understand about each other and if that shifts like if that changes that's a new world the human civilization has never been like that it's always been sort of built on divisions divisiveness right differences what would it look like if it was built on similarities totally different right unrecognizable most of the stuff would probably just fall away like we wouldn't even bother with it anymore <laughs> you know i think my question which is a question i ask myself more so now as as a result of covid what are the differences you know what are the differences between people and why do they matter and how do we shift that to move to not even ask them in the first place if we go to each other expecting a particular answer, then essentially that would mean that we're always in a state of projection, right? 
Because if we formulated a question and we're looking for a particular answer, that's about me, right? That's me saying, okay, here's my question. Here's the answer I'm looking for. So the other person doesn't really in, isn't really involved in that situation. I'm basically just projecting. And they're going to give me an answer, but it's still an answer that I've come up with. So what if we turn that around? It would be interesting to start to ask these really deep questions about basically like how we operate as people, like really fundamental. How do we operate? You know, why do we project all of this onto each other? Why do we operate from a place of difference as opposed to similarity? You know, why are most of our societal structures in place to separate? Or you'll just be going with the answers you've already been given, right? And just continuing forward, right? Like, I think it's always important to go back to the initial inquiry, right? Like, go back to the first question and say, is this the right question? Like, instead of, for example, like, (laughs) is the universe an answer? Or is it a question? I love those, I love those big, big flips like that, right? When you kind of go back to like, oh, instead of door A, let's try door B. We're not usually encouraged to have these kind of conversations or have these sort of self-inquiry moments, right? Like we're encouraged to, you know, get a job, make as much money as possible, uh, you know, buy a bunch of stuff and then retire or not, right? And everything is kind of geared towards basically acquisition of, of acquisition of people, acquisition of stuff, you know, acquisition of land, acquisition of money, whatever. Everything is, and that's, that's not, that's important. That's one part of life that, I mean, I don't deny that to anybody. That's a very important part of life, but it's not all that life is. It's one part, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of other shit going on, but most of us are not encouraged to explore that, right? Or if we are, we kind of like pull ourselves out of it really quickly because it's too esoteric and it's not necessarily going to have, you know, like not going to impact the bottom line of our lives, you know? But this is this is how you grow. Like conversations like this, thoughts like this, this is how you grow. This is how you change. My name is Matthew DeRoche. And uh, my wife and I and our little son, Phoenix, live on Pender Island here. It'll be nine years this fall. Um, So during this uh, current context we find ourselves within, the climate of the coronavirus, it has been a shift for myself, uh, one that found a few things changing. And uh, one of them is definitely where I put my love. Prior to this, I had a very extroverted uh, relationship with the community and with part of the public scene and part of an extroverted or external sort of experience of myself. Not a lot of alone time, not a lot of quiet time, not a lot of downtime. So a lot of my energy and focus could be close to synonymous with love. You know, where are you putting your time and your energy was uh, in how can we work, gather and serve the community from, from that platform. So it's been a major shift in the last few months. You know, I find myself putting my love in my family mostly. So it's been a huge blessing to have so much time that uh, we spend in the garden. You know, Phoenix has got his own little garden bed and and he's thrilled to find uh, beans and strawberries. And, you know, we get to watch the plants grow. And the fruit of that is still being seen both in them and and in myself. So in 
all of our relationships and in me personally. But there's a further shift after that. So I started to realize I was, I just had a lot of, uh, a lot of triggers of anxiety and anger, probably as fallout from having such an extroverted, high pace, low sleep uh, cycle for a while there, that this actually gave me an opportunity to breathe and to uh, start to become aware of some of these things that were affecting me in negative ways versus the things that were actually healthy for me. So I started to make a shift of putting my love, you know, obviously continuing to love my wife and my son and the garden and those things when engaged with them, but more focused back on myself. I started reading again and uh, started to have more quiet time, more prayer time and contemplation time. And it has uh, led to some amazing insights and you know, I'm not one to attest to whether there's been healing or change, but uh, it's been interesting to see as I pour love back in myself through this self-discovery process and awareness, which is familiar to me prior to, you know, doing the gather dance. It was really familiar to me. It was part of my daily dialogue and daily life was um, the inner experience. And so there's even been a further shift where now pouring the love in, it actually somehow spills out. It's like the world has become alive again. The trees have become saturated with life and the birds are just far more colorful or luminous or just alive. The whole world seems more alive. And now whether that's a reflection of, you know, the living waters pouring in me again and out of me. And so I'm projecting that life that I feel inside or whether that I finally, you know, cleaned up my house inside and now I can appreciate outside without having walls built around my eyes. Uh, so it's been an interesting process, one that's been multi-stage, and I'm sure not over yet. And with the, you know, the coming re-emergence into daily life of some normalcy, whatever that looks like, I'm sure there'll be, again, shifts on how that will look. Some of the challenges that have come up have been hard, although in a way easier. I think that um, I found the challenges prior to the COVID climate to be harder to overcome only because they found themselves really woven into a communal context. So now that it's more family, the dynamics are less. I feel I have more control over the challenges in some way. You know, we've been blessed that I've been able to continue working in the trades. So we've been okay with money and we're, we're not in debt so I feel there's no financial burden or pressure that has come with this experience if anything maybe the opposite there's been a liberation from some of the financial demands and stresses that came with gather so that that's been great but some of the challenges have definitely been more well I alluded to them in in you know where I put my love I think the challenges have been coming to terms with myself and my behaviors you know I think it is way too easy to just blame other people or institutions or uh, blame external factors mostly other people for our problems and uh, well I will continue to do that until such point as I'm probably dead but uh, I'm doing my best not to I mean no matter what I keep finding an opportunity for for myself to look at myself and it is both the hardest and most distasteful and most 
heart squeezing of things to do. Um, there's been many hard to get to sleep nights where, you know, maybe through this period of solace, maybe, maybe it's part of a collective thing where, you know, my soul is now rested in a calm sea and the collective is calm. So maybe in a way, all the quietness and stillness that's come out of this globally and psychically has actually shaken up some of these little nuggets of uh, regret and sorrow and the people I've hurt and the times I've been hurt from my past. So it's been almost through this calm water, these bubbles are emerging from deep in my psyche and my, my unconscious that are uh, demanding my attention. And some of them are so hard to look at and so hard to feel. Well, I mean, without the stability of my family, my wife, I think it would be almost impossible. I would probably revert to my old tech paths of just running away, you know, hopping in the truck and driving across Canada or going on some big trip and escaping. Of course, you know, taking myself with me the whole way. But I think having to stay here and stay rooted through it and try to remain aware and stare at the hard parts and the problems, that's been the hardest part. It's also been the most rewarding. I, I keep saying to myself, you know, I did most of this damage cumulatively, so I can't expect immediate relief through any one technique. So I, uh, I'm trying to see it as building new healthy behaviors and patterns and routines that can alleviate some of the, the pain that comes with reflecting on uh, the crappy things that uh, one does in their life. I think my dream of the future would spill out of my family. I mean, I have been more than ever recently. Like, I have taken, oh, maybe 15, 20 years break from news, no TV. When I was on social media, I would find a lot of, of the current events globally happening, being find out about them there. Or my workmate Danny would always bring me up to speed with, with things that were uh, important or, or relevant. Now being on the news all the time, which I should probably stop, that cycle has probably played out. I think we've gotten to the point where we're, we're repeating things again. My mind is very much aware of the political context of uh, both our own country and, of course, America, and then within the broader global context of relationships between nations and uh, dynamics of left versus right. So, you know, future immediately for me conjures a broader global context and the challenge that we're faced with as a species on this planet and the challenges we're faced with as caretakers and uh, stewards of this environment, you know, it's huge. It's absolutely phenomenal. We stand at the crossroads yet again, and this time we've all depressed the reset button collectively, and we will be forging ahead. So, you know, the question of wh what do I see as a future vision? Well, I would like to step back from that global perspective and step away from the dynamics of polarization and everything. And I would think that my future vision really stands on the shoulders of the nuclear family, of partners together, uh, with or without children, and the, the value and honesty that we can live with in the initial smallest, like the lowest resolution of relationship dynamic, the lowest resolution of community, the lowest resolution of society is that super small family unit. You know, I think that's where I would hope that we can see values being placed on that, that we can see 
decisions and priorities being based using that as a foundational grounds. So I would want to see children being valued and not indoctrinated. I want to see families being put ahead of corporations. I would love to see, gosh, there's so many opportunities. We live in such a rich infrastructure. Never before in any other empire on the face of this planet have human beings, especially us in the West, lived in such a rich, opportunity-filled infrastructure that, you know, as individuals we can collect, connect into it, as communities we can draw from it, as a whole nation we can guide so much. So, you know, where are, where are the grants for decentralizing energy production? Where are the grants for water collection? Where are the grants for grassroots education? Where are the grants for expanding our awareness of ourself? Like, I would love to see diverting funds on a political and national level from military spending and bureaucratic spending, you know, just throwing it out there. Maybe instead of these ludicrously long pensions for politicians, we divert some of those funds into families that are actually struggling to survive into, you know, some of the corners of the country that seldom get seen in, into indigenous communities, into impoverished neighborhoods and families that would be given a hand up, not just by money, but by education and by support and by uh, stewardship and guidance, you know, free speech as an absolute cornerstone of our local, national and global community and uh, values, education and critical thinking. I don't know what it looks like, but, you know, ultimately, I'm an optimist, but I think that to get where we want to go, things are going to get worse before we get there. So it's an optimist with a pessimistic twist on the immediate future, I think. Something in me shifted not too long ago. Well, I think it was about five years ago now. Within two years, most of my grandparents passed away. And at the same time, my son was born. So something in me shifted. I watched my dad become a grandfather. I watched the grandson become a father. I watched my grandparents fade. So it was like a giant generational wheel had just clicked one cog over. And I felt that thrust. And I think from that new position on the wheel, I was given a new perspective into my life, but into life in general. And it became a longer view. It's from climbing up that wheel, I could see further. Instead of being so uh, immersed in the immediate, especially in regards to um, gratifying my immediate needs versus seeing and gratifying my longer out in time needs. I think now I think more in a generational context. So... You know, I'm constantly thinking about what Phoenix is going to live through. And as an 80-year-old, what world do I find myself in? So when it comes to asking questions, it is absolutely one of my favorite things. And I think asking questions leads us to a far greater wisdom than getting answers ever could. So the ability to render a complex problem or a simple problem or a penetrating problem into an articulate question that actually distills the problem. If you can distill a giant complex problem into a question, you have done so much of the hard work. And my favorite questions don't have pretty answers inside of lines and walls. My favorite questions uh, draw me into a dynamic where I am now part of a process. I'm on an arc of experience. You know, I'm, you're in the river or the journey or whatever metaphor springs to mind. My favorite question that I ask myself all the time is, how can I do better? You know, when, when Phoenix was born, uh, Sherry's auntie 
who uh, became by proxy my auntie, Auntie Jean, she gave us one of the best pieces of advice. And it was, um, when you know better, you do better. And so many times I have been faced with regret in all aspects of my life, but to keep the metaphor consistent with, with raising and being father and raising Phoenix, man, there's so many deep, hard regrets that only because he is a beautiful, fluid, loving creature are they easy to forget. But Auntie Jean's uh, comment on when you know better, you do better is just such a relevant insight into pointing you as a parent to constantly try to grow and constantly try to do better. And um, there's no bottom on that, or rather there's no ceiling. As you learn, you do better. And as you make the same mistake 10 times, you are strengthening yourself to not make it the 11th time. So I, I like to frame it loosely, you know, how can I do better? Might mean how can I uh, not anger so quickly? How can I be... Uh, how can I listen better? You know, there's um, there's so many opportunities to be better and do better. And I don't ever want to sit back and say that I'm good and I'm done and I've got it figured out or I'm good enough. I think those are um, those are ways of uh, avoiding the only opportunity we we have to be engaged with life itself. So how can I do better is my simple way of entering into... Um, Entering into the life of an acorn to an oak tree. My name is Nikki Roberts. I've been putting my love, it would definitely be into our family and into our house and into the garden, into myself, into our marriage. And it feels really good. It feels like taking some of the things out that we do a lot, a lot of driving kids to programs and organizing things has slowed down because there's less happening and so we're really spending a lot of time around here and enjoying it and it's the best year we've had in the garden we rearranged the furniture in our living room so that we could look out the living room window and watch the bird feeder we've noticed a lot more birds we've got all the games on the coffee table now so we're spending a lot of time together as a family playing games, coming out here in the garden and weeding the path and planting vegetables and planting flowers. And we just planted a, a magnolia tree and we're so excited about it. It feels like symbolic of excitement about a new chapter in our life, a time to really appreciate where we are and be thankful and to watch things grow getting out for a run and listening to really good music and feeling positive about it. And I just started running last year at 43 and I'm not very good at it, but I'm like, I'm, I'm out here. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to be as healthy as I can be. And I'm going to have faith that if I just keep at it, eventually I'll, I'll get better at it and it won't be as hard as it is right now. And, you know, in terms of cooking, like often it's been a chore, but now I'm trying to do something extra and put some extra love into it and so the other day when I made dinner I made crepes and I had picked up the fresh strawberries from Mitchell's in Saanich and a whole flat of them and they were just ripening beyond anything right before our eyes and just slicing them up and adding some chopped chocolate to it and you know having like 
this amazing seasonal crepe and we all took the time. We were all eating together, Stephen and the kids and I, and really in the moment. And I feel like we've had so many moments in the last few months that have been special just because we're paying attention. And we've really, really gotten a lot out of that. Having a cup of tea, you know, in the garden and smelling the roses. We're like, wow, we've been planting all these things for the last few years, but we haven't been looking at them and appreciating them. I mean, some things have shifted. Um, my mom passed away on May 16th, and I was definitely spending a lot of time taking care of my mom and spending a lot of my energy worrying about my mom. So even when I was home, I wasn't that present. I was concerned about getting a phone call that she had fallen or worrying about what I could do for her. So that is time that I didn't have before and energy because the energy that happens when you lose somebody you love is is a big energy and a strong energy. So I think there's been more energy to put into our life around here. And Stephen hasn't been going to work off island. He's been working from home. So taking the commute out of our family equation definitely freed up some time too. Having the kids home, they are usually in school and we're doing our thing. We're working and taking care of the house and all that. So with having them home, it's been really fun because they're interesting and they're good company and we've been doing things together but they also need to be getting an education and so trying to sort out what they should be learning you know they they need some structure to their day they need some activities they have to be learning something they have to exercise so you know teachers do a great job of that and trying to take on that role ourselves had mixed reviews you know something's great and something's not so good yeah and um the other challenge was having somebody in our family that was really ill during covid and uh everything is different so you know when my mom went into the hospital you could only have one family member in the hospital room at a time per day and for a limited amount of time and so that experience was really different than what it would be during other times in that I was in my mom's room and my dad and my brother were outside the hospital, but they could see through the window. And so they're saying their last words to her on a cell phone and I'm holding it up to her ear. And she was unconscious at, or she was not responding at that point, but she she could still hear what was being said and so it was a very different way to to say goodbye to somebody and I think it was definitely her time she chose it and she said I'm done that's it and that was on May 14th and two days later she passed away but that was all in the middle of COVID so there was special challenges with a death in the family during COVID and when somebody's ill for a long time and they're ready to go, you're glad for them to be relieved of their struggle and their pain. And so I'm, I'm happy for her that she doesn't have to deal with that anymore. But it was just, yeah, it was just different because of, of how the world is right now. I, when I met 
the doctor in the palliative care, I just stuck my hand out to shake his hand immediately. And he was a kind person and he shook my hand. But, you know, that's not what we're doing now. We're not shaking hands and we're not being close to anybody. So it's funny to to be physically distancing during a time like that, a big transition in life like that. The nurse in palliative said, she said, it's so hard for them because they have to limit the time that family gets to spend together and they have to restrict the number of people that can be there. And and that has made their job a lot more challenging. And they have to follow all the new protocols in terms of extra sanitation and distancing themselves from the patients. I dream that the world becomes better. I think it's becoming better all the time. And I think that people have a better standard of living and people are able to be more compassionate than they've ever been in history before because they're comfortable and because they're not afraid for their lives. A lot of people are not. A lot of people still are. And I am hopeful that technology helps us to witness the atrocities and to say no to them and to make sure that they don't happen anymore. I hope that the world is watching and the world cares and and that it will change things. And I think even when I was a teenager in the 90s, like you didn't have cameras everywhere and things happened all the time that nobody ever knew about. And And the unfortunate part is when things are recorded and shared that shouldn't be, but when there's a recording of things that are happening and there's proof and nobody can deny what's happening, it started all these conversations about, you know, the roots of racism in Canada and the, the racism in the prime ministers in the, of the past. And, and it's built right into, you know, how First Nations were treated and how women have been treated and how minorities have been treated. And I think there's so much discussion right now about all these bad things. And I think that it's not discouraging, it's it's cleansing, it's healing, it's important. Like we have to acknowledge what's happened and we have to be honest about it and then we can do it differently and we can do it better. And so I think it's a good thing. I think that most people are good and most people don't want to see anybody hurt. And and there's so few people that are are really bad, that that really are that malicious and, and abusing power the way the police officer, for example, did. And I think that we're just going to have to all be more accountable because there is video surveillance and there is the internet and you can share stories and people are horrified. People are devastated to see that kind of crime happen. And and I don't think anybody wants that. So I feel like we can't lie about things. We can't pretend that they're not happening. They're happening. We see it. And I think we're going to do something about it. I think that things are getting better. and, And it's up to those of us that have a good life and that have freedom and have nourishment and have peace to to lift everybody up and to be good and to say what are we going to do to make the world better do the little things around you that you can see like share with your neighbors appreciate your neighbors take care show some concern for children and elderly people and people in need and help the community and just try to make things better and safer and healthier. Try to take care of yourself too. I think if we if we take care of ourselves then we can be better for other people. I think a lot of our pain as humankind comes from self-loathing and self-abuse and 
depression and anxiety. So we got to remedy that. We got to eat fruits and vegetables. We got to spend time at the beach. We got to go for a hike. We got to play some disc golf. We got to do some fun stuff. I think that's a pretty good prescription for better life for you and better life for other people. I guess I've been thinking a little bit about how do I want my life to look like when I'm at the end of my life. Having just lost my mom, I think, what do I want to feel when I get to the end? And I just want to feel brave because I am afraid of things. I'm afraid of being judged or, or failing at things or just to share my opinion or express myself about things. And so I'm just trying to push myself, you know, to do things even if I don't want to. If I know it's for my for my growth and betterment, then I should rise to the challenge and and try, you know. I don't really know how to express it. I'm just thinking that when I get to the end of my life, I want to feel like I enjoyed it and I, I appreciated it and I did the best that I could with it. And so my guess my question is just as I'm going along, am I doing my best? Am I trying? Am I living up to my responsibilities? Am I putting good things in the world instead of negativity? Am I being accountable? Am I telling the truth? That's a hard one sometimes, you know? And am I thinking the best of people rather than believing that they had bad intentions? Am I making allowances that people might forget things sometimes or make honest mistakes? Am I being as nice to the people I love as I could be? <laughs> Trying to not let grumpy, grown-up responsibilities get the best of me and be snappish when it's a good life and it, it should be appreciated as much as possible. Am I doing my best? Because I feel like there's an undercurrent to life that's telling me where I should be or what I should be doing to feel good and to feel like I'm doing my best and I want to tune into that and do the best job that I can of of this like this is amazing right this blessed life with two children that I love and a really fun and supportive husband and a beautiful island and a gorgeous community birds singing trees all around us like to land here I feel like I've got to be thankful I've got to say this is a good life. Thank you so much, universe, God, I don't know what. <laughs> and and just grow some more love and share it around. Paul Wittershoven. I see right now, I, I wondered what I could do and make an effect during this situation. And what came to me was that People's names are so important. And I recognize that when people called me by name, when they said Paul in the sentence of greeting, there was a, I don't know, it, there was warmer. So what I did, I did consciously is that I'd, I'd drive for Southridge once or twice a week and stop at 10 or so places. And I made a point of learning people's names, their first names. And from the moment I asked if I could know their name, everything changed. The conversations naturally, won't even without effort, deepened. 
they were more willing to share what felt like it was an intimate conversation versus a random one with a customer at the counter. And that has been sort of my focus during this, to do something uh, consciously to make a contribution. And it's given me what has been sort of what denied over the last couple of months is deep connections with people just going through the community because everybody wants to stay far away. But I started using first names and then those conversations became more than they were before. Well, life for me is not a whole lot different. But I recognize that it has been very stressful for a lot of people. And my focus has been on those people so that I don't uh, minimize the discomfort or fear that they have. Yeah, I, I honor that, but at the same time, I, I want to stay consistent with where I am. And to me, having my primary focus on the other, it's been a gift to me. As it relates to the virus in a physical health-threatening situation, life is the same. It, hasn't, it really hasn't changed. We live on our boat. It's not that we feel that we need to be isolated, but we naturally are. Uh, but the challenge for me has been being swallowed by the need to find a bad guy. The concept of killing the virus to me is insanity. <laughs> Just is. Is I think fighting against something has never proven to be, nobody wins that war. But also there's these conspiracy theories. I love the idea of finding a bad guy. Like, you know, the, the, the people who are doing this or the 5G, it's sort of thrilling for me. You know, to say, okay, if we defeat the bad guy, then everybody thinks it will be okay. Um, but instead, that has been the challenge. And But what I recognize is I was drawn into that same narrative. It may have looked a little different. But fundamentally, I've, sh I've shifted out of giving power to that. And what I focus on is focusing on what I believe is truly happening. And that is the transformation of this planet, because I think it's an unbelievable that the entire globe is feeling fear. And I think what we've been missing for a long time is feeling. And almost every person on this planet is sharing that. And I just think it's, it's an amazing opportunity that is happening to us. And I'm grateful, and I'm also excited for it what will be. I see the future as different, like beyond the physical. And most of my life I've, I've been a dreamer, but the dreamer has never been about so much a physical reality versus a spiritual reality where we come into the acceptance of who we are and fundamentally I think we've gone through a time that we have been encouraged to deny who we truly are and I believe 
this circumstance is creating the opportunity for people to focus on what they really feel important, but really that etches into their soul in terms of what they're here to do and be. And frankly, I find that thrilling for myself because I have also been among the masses of that denial. But now it seems to be that everything else has been somewhat removed for me. And I can sort of put a laser focus on spending time accepting that. When your need to have something change is at its height, time will speed up. There won't be enough time. And when you don't need what is to be different, or just that's your focus, to be different than it is today, you will not have enough time. So part of this time, uh, time has been significant <laughs> to me in this, because time feels different. And I observe that in other people, that time is it's a different time. But through this, also recognizing that I thought I wanted the world to change to something better. What I think I've done in, the, in reverse to that is I am accepting of what is, almost totally, with no need for it to be different, but knowing that when I don't need it to change, it opens the door for that. Why? Why? Why am I not caught up? Why do I feel so comfortable in this situation where so many people aren't? I, I look around and I'm surprised that I've not been engulfed by the fear. But I have a fundamental principle in which I look at life. I, I believe there is in the universe that, that thing that nobody wants anybody to talk about, and that is God. And I feel that that God represents a benevolence. <laughs> and what I, I am here to be is to be the fullest expression of that God. And that essence is always working in support of me. So now when I look at this situation, I trust that we are moving to something, to a time, to a world, that there is more freedom to be that expression. I trust that. And I look through that lens and it gives me peace every single day. I don't need it to be more. I don't need it to be different. And then at the same time, I know it's changing at a deep, deep level. All right. Well, big thank you to Emma. Matthew, Nikki, and Paul for doing those interviews. Super appreciative that they agreed to do it without knowing what the results were going to be. So thank you again. And an extra special thanks to Nikki. I'm so happy she agreed to do it because she is the person I first heard ask the question, where are you putting your love? My wife and I were at Roe Lake and we ran into Nikki one day and she asked us that question in regards to something I can't remember at the moment, but I just thought it was such an incredible question.
So that's it for this one. And if anybody out there is interested in doing an interview in this series, you can contact me at my email. That's chriswakaluk at hotmail.com. I put it in the show notes, but I can spell it out for you here. It's C-H-R-I-S-W-A-K-A-L-U-K. So if you want to reach out, uh, I'd love to hear other people's experiences on the island. And if you get a hold of me, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be well, everyone. Until next time.